through 16. If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent. Silly myths, whether train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saving is as trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is a savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. No, let one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Thank you, God, for the reading of your scripture. Now, Lord, be with Aaron as he brings us the message today. Let us sitting in the pews have an open ears and open hearts to hear what he has to say. In your son's name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The alphas can be dismissed. Well, we all know the routine. When we fly on a plane, before the plane takes off, as it's probably taxiing to the runway, it's time for a safety briefing. This is how you wear a life vest. This is how you exit the plane. But the most important thing, other than here's the exits, follow the green or the red or blue lights, whatever the colors are, is if oxygen levels decrease, masks will drop and then in the event of emergency, put your mask on first before you put the mask on a child. We've all heard that phrase. And it's not because the FAA thinks that children can be sacrificed. Rather, it's to help others. One must first help themselves. Parents will naturally go to help and sacrifice for their children. And so they need reminders. You can't help your children if you can't breathe. Well, what does this have to do with 1 Timothy? We're going to continue as Phil just read in 1 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul was moving from indicatives and truths to imperatives and instructions for the church. The gospel affects how we live. The qualification is, or sorry, the qualification of an elder is to manage one's own household well so that they could then manage the household of God. Paul wants Timothy to now put his mask on first before he helps God's children. And so proper discipline is going to start with Timothy. 
And Paul's charge, as we see in our text this morning, is threefold for proper personal discipline in light of what God has earned for us includes effort, it includes endurance, and it includes an example. So would you pray with me and we will break this text down. Father, we thank you that we have this text in scripture of as we're saying, proper personal discipline. God, we thank you that your son came, that he lived a perfect life, that he died a substitutionary death, that he is the one we follow. And God, we pray in this time that you would help conform us more to the image of your son, that we would be holy for you are holy, that we would worship you because you deserve it, that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, we pray that you'd be glorified in our time together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage again will show us the proper personal discipline in light of what God has earned for us includes effort, endurance, and an example. And so let's look at effort first. Jim Collins, in his famous writing, coined this phrase, Good is the enemy of the great. We love to procrastinate, don't we? And sometimes it's not for bad things, right? We don't file our taxes early. We file them on April 15th or whatever day the IRS designates that day. I won't need to figure out my heating for winter. I can at least wait until September or October to do that. Or I'll work on that school project the night before it's due. Not months in advance, even though the teachers have told me about it, closer to the deadline. But Paul wants Timothy to do is to consider what is best. God is the one who determines our priorities. And now that's the truth of the gospel, our identity in Christ that is clear. And so what Paul wants Timothy to do is to put his mask on first to put forth effort into the things that God calls us to do. Timothy is to exert effort concerning the things that Paul has taught in the preceding chapters in three areas. You'll see them in verse 6, verse 11, and verse 15. Verse 6, put these things before the brothers. 11, command these things. And 15, practice these things. These things refer to what Paul has already instructed them in and explained for three chapters. We are to do something with the information that we have received. So first, to put these things is to instruct or to reveal what you've learned. This is the mystery hidden for ages, the mystery of godliness that we saw last week in our confession in verse three, or chapter three, verse 16. We are to now make it known to others. The kids' song we're all familiar with, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. All around the neighborhood, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. And then the third verse is, Hide It Under a Bushel. When we sang it to our kids, we would shout. I won't do it right now because I got a microphone. No, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. Let's come to Matthew 5, where Jesus instructs his disciples with, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are to make these things known. Timothy, make it known. Let the light shine for the household of God to see. Tell your brothers and sisters that there's cookies on the counter that Mob made. 
they're not just for you. They're for the whole family. Don't keep them to yourself. Don't hide the great treasure that has been revealed and entrusted to you. Put it on display. Paul says that he would be a good servant if he did this. Literally, it's a good deacon, which we saw back in chapter 3, that a deacon holds the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Timothy, as an elder, as a deacon, showing an example to follow with a clear conscience, put these things before the church. Display it. Having been trained in the words of faith, which is the same construct we've heard before in this letter word of faith is also the same words in the Greek as a trustworthy saying we've seen that three times we'll touch base on that in just a little bit but Paul was saying put your mask on first now go put it on others put forth effort to share the gospel with other people especially in the church steward the treasure Jesus has entrusted you Timothy with this treasure so that one day you might hear Timothy the words of Jesus from Matthew 25 well done good and faithful servant or deacon you've been faithful over little I will set you over much enjoy the joy of or enter into the joy of your master Verse 6 says to also put the good doctrine before the church. This is positive and negative. Positively, this is what God has done for the church. This is who God is and what he has done negatively. He's saying don't follow the false cheaters. Put it before them. Good doctrine. That was first. Second form of effort is to command these things we see in verse 11 this is information that leads to transformation go share it share the gospel call to God's people that they might obey it and do something with it this is a command is to make an announcement it's a military term officers don't make the suggestions they command and they expect obedience it's not just a duty to share it's a duty to call people to call God's people to action parents we've all had that evening right we're sitting at the dinner table kid doesn't like to eat something begging them please I want to go to bed eat whatever is before you we had a friend who used to threaten our children with if you don't eat your broccoli you're gonna die that's one way to do it but a, maybe a better way to do it is to appeal this is good sustenance. We had a kid that didn't like steak until they tried it. And after sitting there for an hour and a half, they finally tried it. I was like, oh, I like that. Well, if you would have tried it a long time ago, this would have been a lot easier for everybody. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Or Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He will nourish you. He desires your good. His commandments are not burdensome. They're personally as well as corporately beneficial and nourishing. Make these things known. Charge obedience of God's people. And third, most importantly, practice these things, Timothy, yourself. We see in verse 15. Look in the mirror, Timothy. 
the words, the doctrine, the practice that you've seen, it's all for you too, Timothy. This is where I am preaching to myself, but you get to participate in this as well. Practice and immerse yourself in God's word. Not my resolution, I'm sorry, not that when our New Year's resolutions get hard on January 3rd and you're done. Drown yourself in God's word. Immerse yourself in the living waters of God's word for your whole life, Timothy. Don't be a hypocrite. The only thing that grows around here by doing nothing is weeds. And so as you call God's people to gospel doctrine and make a gospel culture, put forth effort, Timothy. Cultivate fruit. Plan ahead. Don't procrastinate. Put on your mask first. Again, weeds are the only thing that grow naturally. And so if you need to grow a garden, there's a lot of things that need to happen in order for plants to grow. You need to till, you need to add compost, you need to plant your seeds, you need to give some time for them to grow, you need to then harden them off so you can't put them out and then they die. Then you gotta put them in the ground, you gotta water them, then you gotta harvest them at the proper time and store them properly. Effort is needed. Professional athletes don't, by accident, become professional. Teachers don't know things about the periodic table by looking at random letters on a chart. They have to know what those words and letters are. Timothy, godliness won't grow in you without practice. And skill comes by practice and by effort. But our effort comes because of what God has earned for us out of our doctrine out of what we've seen in these first three and a half chapters. This is not about the burdens of doing more work. Jesus commands they're not burdensome. God has earned our salvation, and so we put forth effort and submission to his word to become more godly ourselves. And so I thought of some ways we could apply that first section, and we'll do this throughout uh, our time this morning, is to look at our values as a church. They come from Acts 2, 42, where it says that early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayer. So they had a commitment to biblical authority. They had a commitment to intentional fellowship. They had a commitment to dependent prayer and they had a commitment to gospel centrality. God calls us to be first devoted to our Bibles, to fellowship, to the gospel, and to the prayers. The Bible was this early church's food. It's never too late to join our Bible reading program. It's all on a list. You can find out whatever date you're on today and you can jump on there and join us. You can listen to the Bible on your commute, wherever you're driving. You'll listen to podcasts based on Scripture. You can listen to music that is based on Scripture as well. God has earned our salvation for us as revealed in here, and so we should want to spend more time in it to learn about who our God is and what He has done. We have unlimited opportunity to feast on God's Word and put effort to this. The early church, they knew that being together was fruitful effort as a church. God's plan is for us to put effort together by ourselves, but also put effort for each other to grow together. God did the work to make this possible. 
So next time that we want to stay home, to sleep in, to maybe go pluck the weeds, the early church was devoted to be together because that's where their new identity earned by God rested. They remembered the gospel and that took effort as well. They celebrated what God had earned for them. Today we'll do that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We'll remind each other, this is Jesus' body given for you. This is his blood shed upon the cross for your sins. God has earned our salvation. And we remember this each month on the first Sunday of any given month, formally. But we also remind each other circumstantially as we're needing reminders ourselves every single day. And also every time we gather as God's people of what the gospel is for us. The early church, they also put effort into prayer because God has made a way for us to communicate to him. It's not going through the motions. It's true devotion to prayer. With the church, with your family, or even alone, praying without ceasing, as Paul tells the Thessalonians. Proper personal discipline includes effort in light of what God has earned for us. Second, it also includes endurance because of what God has earned for us. In the world of myths, we have nothing to do with them in verse 7. Emphatically, Paul is telling Timothy, you yourself, in the Greek, if you were to see it, it has got a big, it's not uppercase, but you, Timothy, this is for you. Train yourself for godliness to endure. Farmers and gardeners didn't give up a couple weeks ago when we had that hard frost and a lot of things died. You get back out there. You get back to working what needs to be done. They went back to it. Timothy persist because God has earned something far greater for you. Everyone remembers the winning basket, the final field goal, the walk-off home run, the final touchdown at the end of the game. But we forget that it took practice for someone to get to that point. It's hot. I'm tired. I went to practice yesterday. We, find, we get that all the time with sports, you know, with athletes in our home. High school girls didn't win the state championship by not going to practice. Congratulations for those of you who did. And congratulations to your parents for getting your kids to practice so that they could enjoy that. Personal discipline, proper personal discipline requires endurance to get up, to do it all over again. Paul says in verse 8, bodily training is of some value. This, this does not mean that we don't worry about eating right or exercising. It is of value, just of some value. But what is most important, what the focus is, is enduring for the goal of holiness. Endure for the future. Paul's saying to Timothy, look out the windshield, look down the road, Endure because of what God has already done, what you can see looking out the rear view mirror. Don't live just for today. Live for tomorrow and what comes in the end. The point is not in the value of endurance. The point is in the longevity of the endurance. I hate to break it to you. Every single one of us in this room will die one day. Bodily training only lasts so long. Godliness, though, friends, will endure forever. 
But like bodily training, godliness requires self-control to reap the benefits in the life to come. Look at verse 9. He says again, this is another trustworthy word. The atonement back in chapter 1, godly leadership as chapter 3 started, and now progress in holiness are emphatically mentioned by Paul to Timothy to be aware of. The main points in the letter, Timothy, pay attention. Godliness is the goal. And I love the illustration I heard a while back. You talked about, right, New Year's resolutions. The gym swell January 1st with folks wanting to get in shape. Those who don't, there's two types of people that go to the gym. There's those, like most of us, I think, like myself, I don't know what I'm doing, and so I might go in there, and you might even join with some other people who don't know what they're doing either. They might even work together, help each other. Then there's the professionals. They know what to do. Maybe they work together as well, and they get things done really well. They look like they're in a lot of shape. They've put a lot of effort into these things. And what Paul wants Timothy to do is to be a professional who says, I want the whole gym to be healthy. Let me teach you how to exercise, you newbies. I'll do the exercise first. Follow my example. Learn from me. I'll put my mask on first, and then I'll help you put your mask on. The entire gym will be healthier, wouldn't it be? Leaders model and teach. Endurance is hard. And like effort, endurance happens because of what God has earned for us. Each day we have an opportunity to decide, will I endure or will I give up? Our decisions on a particular day are often influenced by prior decisions. Maybe even things that took place on a prior day. Deciding the night before, I'm going to get up. I'm going to read my Bible. Means going to bed at a decent time. Setting the alarm, putting the coffee on auto brew. Or even saying, when my alarm gets up, I'm going to roll out of bed. I'm just going to get up and I'm going to go do it. Because Jesus said, you can feast on his words. So I'll dedicate my life because in it, I see my salvation. And I believe in it. And so are you enduring with Scripture? Or are you giving up? I spent some time with God with people last week. But endurance is considering the gift of Jesus and what he endured for his people who were betrayers and doubters and deniers. And he still pursued us so that we could become part of God's family. Most of us decided last night, right, that we were going to get up this morning and we were going to come to church. So next weekend, you can do the same thing on Saturday so that you can come and be with God's people. Our flesh is weak, but the spirit is powerful. And so are you enduring with God's people or have you given up? And when we fail to endure, when we give in to sin, when we forget and we falter, we rest in that same grace, the gospel that God has earned for us, the good news that God saves sinners for, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so are you enduring with the gospel or have you given up? The gospel reminds us that God never gives up on us. So he will help us to endure. Again, for prayer, Jesus is God, yet he still prayed to his Father in heaven. He needed that communion with his Father. 
And Jesus has earned our ability to communicate with our Heavenly Father. Jesus endured through prayer in the garden. If you're familiar with that story, before he was going to the cross, it was so intense. He prayed so hard that his blood or his sweat became drops of blood. When a friend says, will you pray with me for me? Maybe you'd actually do it right then and there. Or you'd write it down to pray again for that person. Are you enduring a prayer? Or have you given up? Well, in light of what God has earned, Paul wants Timothy to put forth effort. He also wants Timothy to put forth endurance. And he wants Timothy, third and finally, to be an example. Timothy's age appears to be some sort of concern for this church. He was probably about 30 years old. We see that in verse 12. That Paul says, let no one despise you for your youth. That's not listed in one of the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 of a qualification of an elder, but it could hinder your ability to shepherd God's people, Timothy. Paul says, forget your age. Be an example in five areas. In your speech, with your words, align with scripture. Second, in your conduct, align with how God's people should live. Three, in your love, in your self-sacrifice, loving like Jesus loves. Four, in your faith, committed as a good steward. And five, in your purity, in your holiness. Timothy, don't be a hypocrite. Be an example. Timothy follows Paul's example. Paul follows Jesus' example. Timothy is the representation for God's people as a faithful leader, following the example of the most faithful people in Scripture, Jesus being the most faithful who's ever walked this earth. Jesus earned Timothy the ability to be that example. Our example is not based on who we are, but who God is and what Jesus has earned for us. Paul calls Timothy to overcome the objections with his exemplary behavior. This is not do what I say, not what I do. A leader's personal conduct has a direct impact on the conduct of the community of God's people. And so Timothy, your, your conduct should be in line with the gospel doctrine that I've explained to you for three and a half chapters. Now go battle those false teachers, but not with the world's tools. Combat the false teachers with God's tools, with what the scripture says to do. The world's tools, we see it even today, as anger and deceit, slander, hatred. Satan loves when the church uses those tools. But Paul gives Timothy three ways to do this in verse 13. First, public reading of scripture. The best sermon you'll hear is when somebody stands up here and reads the scripture to you, where we remind God's people, we remind each other of the truth. Because as Paul says to Timothy in his follow-up letter, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So we try to set the example here on a Sunday of reading the scripture. Second, he says, exhort with the word through preaching, applying what you are reading to your life. Right after 2 Timothy 3, when that scripture that I just read, what comes next? 2 Timothy 4, he says this, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, 
rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Read, preach. Third, he says to teach, systematically explain and instruct with the word of God. 2 Timothy 4 again, for this time, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off. And so we as teachers are to connect the dots for God's people, to show God's people that Jesus is what we truly need. Expose false teaching with true teaching to neutralize its impact. And so verse 15, by living as an example, others, Timothy, will see your progress. Progress is another military term. It's a, uh, an idea of a force advancing on a common foe. Paul wants Timothy to put forth effort, endure, and be an example so others will follow in combating the false teaching, combating our greatest enemies in this life of Satan, sin, and death. The phrase, so goes the leader, so goes the church, is very true. A church that doesn't care is probably led by a pastor who doesn't care. A church that doesn't put forth effort is led by a shepherd that is probably worn out and burnt out. A church that doesn't endure is often led by a pastor who just gives up. And so we try to model Bible reading, being here for you, remembering the gospel, and praying together. It's hard, but Jesus is worth it. And so are you. So proper personal discipline includes effort, endurance, and an example. And before we end our time, I think this could be an easy sermon where you just hear from me Man, he just gave me a lot of things to do. But as stated up front, discipline is a response to God's work on our behalf of what God has earned for us. And so our duty comes as a response to our doctrine. Left to our own devices, we fail. But Jesus didn't go, didn't fail. He went to the cross for us. Left to our own devices, we would give up. But Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame, giving us his life, giving up his life for us. Our effort, endurance, example, doesn't come out of how great we are, our own excellence, but it comes out of God's glory in Jesus Christ, his excellence. This is all about salvation of souls. You probably caught it, and we're wondering what we see in verse 10 and 16. And Paul gives two reasons for our effort, endurance, and exemplary life. Let me read those two verses. Verse 10, For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So we need the rest of Scripture to help us with these two passages. One commentator said, the race for godliness demands every ounce of energy a person possesses. But apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And so our salvation persists so that we can persevere, that God holds us fast. And at first glance, those phrases, those verses might raise an eyebrow. 
We toil and strive because God is the Savior of all. But that's not universalism. Where all people will be saved. That would contradict, like I said, the rest of the scriptures. This word can be translated as he sustains all. He's patient with all. He's compassionate to all. He's kind to all so that many would repent and believe. In chapter 2, the same sort of language is used clearly that women are not saved but sustained by childbirth from the toils of this world. Salvation is available to all, but Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so our effort, endurance, our example is a means of rest from the weary toil that we have every day because of what Jesus has earned for us. He's endured for us. He's exemplified for us. But he especially does save those who believe by the gospel from our greatest enemies of Satan, sin, and death. Verse 16 is another strange verse about salvation because scripture says that we don't save ourselves. God does. We also don't save others. I've never saved a single soul and neither have you. God does the saving through the gospel proclamation. But our words and our actions, according to Paul, becomes a means of grace for our perseverance. Accomplished by God, he completes the work and we encourage others to follow our footsteps. Paul told the Philippians how we do this, where we work and God ultimately works in the end. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure where our doctrine drives our devotion. Our devotion confirms our doctrine. Our effort and endurance encourages others to fight the good fight of faith that we all participate in. We work out our salvation. We're an example as well. And the cycle keeps continuing, as Paul tells the Romans, that we're mutually encouraged by each other's faith. We become a huge family, modeling Jesus, living as a sacrifice, enduring to the end, putting forth effort together. Where Jesus lived a perfect life, a life without sin for us. Jesus died a substitutionary death in our place on the cross for our sins. Timothy can use the words his mentor Paul used in 1 Corinthians, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Or Jesus' words, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And that includes dying to ourselves. We follow him to the cross, to our death. We endure. We put forth effort. We live as an example because of what God has earned for us. Not so we can earn favor with God. Jesus went before us. He put on his mask. He lived a perfect life. He suffered and endured and was tempted in every single way that we are. Yet he was without sin. And so that we can then live and we can live life abundantly by believing in the gospel. So proper personal discipline includes effort, endurance, and example to follow. And we can encourage each other to do that as we continue to walk together especially coming out of what we saw last week, 
as a family of God's people. So would you pray with me? Father, I echo Paul's words to the Philippian church. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And so God, we thank you that you, as a plan for the fullness of time, decided to make us your own. God, we thank you that your son came, that he lived a life of effort in a fallen world, humbling himself by putting on flesh, humbling himself by giving up all that he had in heaven to come and die a most miserable death for us, his enemies, who wanted nothing to do with you. God, we thank you for your son's effort. God, we thank you that he endured the cross. God, that he submitted to you and, and, and prayed, not my will, but yours be done. That he ended up on that Roman cross, that he died, was buried, and he rose from the dead to give us a newness of life. And as he calls us, as you call us to follow you, to take up our cross, God, would you help us? Because that's not very appealing to follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we would Rest in the fact that you are with us always, even unto the end of the age, as your son declared to the disciples after his resurrection. And those truths are still applicable and valid for us today. And so, God, would you help us to be an example to each other of what proper discipline looks like. As we put forth effort, we endure together. And we set to the believers, each other, an example to follow. And so, God, we thank you. Would you help us to glorify you in the rest of our time together? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.